This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf, and I've told you before how if you're getting a dog, you should go visit the breeder. If you're getting a dog, you should research that breed. You should check out the breeder. See if you can talk to another puppy owner. See if you can meet a grown puppy. See if you can meet the parents of the dog you want. Check them out fully. That's one thing I want to tip you off to. And some people think that, well, they're CKC or AKC registered, so what could go wrong? That's not always an indicator that you're going to get a good dog. You want to make sure you go in person. And sometimes I'm hired to train dogs or help with dogs who've been imported, usually at triple the price they would pay for that same dog here. And oftentimes the dog I meet is a big disappointment to me. They have not sent you their best. I can tell you that. They keep their best for themselves and they send you their worst. And even if the puppy was truly a great puppy to begin with, a long voyage on a plane is not really a great thing for a young dog at around three months or younger when he's learning about what to be afraid of and what to trust. Bad situation for most dogs. So really, you're better off to stay local. But having said all that, we're discovering that there are some problems with our local situation. And I've got Liz Menegon back on the show. She's going to be interviewed by USA Today and Forbes and the Washington Post talking about this very topic. So let's delve into it. What is wrong with breeding in America today, Liz? You know, I don't think we have enough time to go over. <laughs> okay, well, let's start. We can have a marathon chat about it. So Here's what's going on, which I think people don't understand. And again, I've always said there's either misinformation, no information, or some people just don't really care. The average, now I'm talking the average American, let's just say, the average person in this country has no idea that the Department of Agriculture, yes, the USDA that handles your beef, pork, and chickens also oversees Wow. Puppy mills in this country. What we eat and our pets are the same governing body. That's a little too close. That's a huge problem. Now, I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume it's set up that way because puppy mills really started in this country after World War II. When you had a baby boom, money was good. People were moving out. They had the suburbs. They had a picket fence. They wanted a dog. A dog sort of completed the picture. Vets, at that time, maybe you could have had a neighbor, a friend. People with money bred dogs because people didn't have money to feed their own children at one point. So that was a status symbol, being able to breed dogs. My mother got a boxer in the, 19, in the early 50s. They went up to this beautiful home and she had these beautiful boxers that they showed and had a litter. As opposed to the little mutt that followed you home from the market, which is what other people had at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> so farmers in the Midwest said, wait a minute, we can convert chicken coops and start breeding dogs. Mm. So they started breeding. And that's where it really originated. Then you had your neighborhood vet. 
then that grew. Veterinarian care grew. The poppy mills grew. These, these Midwest farmers, it was cheap. It was relatively inexpensive. They would put an ad in the newspaper. And then someone came along and said, hey, I'm going to open a pet store. How about you supply me with some puppies? And they said, okay. But they didn't really have a far reach. Now we fast forward. Puppies are sold through either brokers or directly to a pet store from a puppy mill. They're put on tractor trailers and they're shipped to your pet store. Now, the USDA requires any commercial breeder, let's just call them, that sells to a pet store, they must be registered with the USDA. Okay, well, <laughs> ever since the birth of the internet, these people, these breeders that would sell you a puppy for $200 and you would turn around and sell it for $800, they're now selling direct to the public. There are zero, let me, Z-E-R-O, there is not one state that has introduced guidelines, has monitored, has set up a structure to breed. So novice backyard breeders, these are people that are going to pet stores right now, buying puppies, going home, setting up a website, breeding these dogs under the age of a year old and are now in the puppy business. The USDA is completely antiquated. They are not keeping up with the times. So these commercial breeders are now selling direct to the public. And it is a huge crisis. See, in Canada, we have rules. We have bylaws that affect this. We have the SPCA has regulations nationally and provincially. And the problem, though, here is that the bad apples don't care. The bad apples operate outside of the regulations, but at least there are regulations. Like, for example, you're not supposed to breed a female dog until she's age two. Very sensible. It used to be age one until a few years ago. It used to be age one, but people would get the dog pregnant before she was one year old. And so right. now they say, you know, she must be two when she delivers, which is a great way to put it. And they've prevented so much harm by just that one little rule, you know, because breeding a dog too young is very dangerous for her and the puppies. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. You have to wait longer. But there's not really a lot of money in dog breeding if you do it kindly and correctly and humanely. But if you do it this way, the way you're talking about, there can be a lot of money in it, unfortunately. There's a lot of money. And so, so you know, fundamentally, when you introduce an unregulated, unmonitored way to make money, and I'm talking a lot of money, people are breeding these funky Frenchies and they're selling them for four, five, and $6,000, up to $15,000. When you introduce a way to make money that is unregulated, it is going to be out of control. And this is what is happening. This is my fear. Because what ultimately is going to happen is people that get in it, they want to, you know, as a side hustle, they're going to realize after a year or two that this is a lot of work. It's happening now. People are dumping puppies and parents in shelters. So this yes. un 
Yeah, was- because during the during the pandemic, people wanted puppies, and there was huge demand. I had a litter where normally, you know, I'd have 10 puppies and I might get eight people on a list and then wait to see how many puppies I actually had before confirming the last few people, that kind of thing. I had 400 people wanting one litter during the pandemic. So huge increase. And now that the pandemic's over, we're back to the usual list of a few names before I've even bred them. And by the time that the mama's ready, we have most of the puppies sold. But uh, the temptation for people when they would see that there's no dogs available and everybody wants a dog and they'll pay whatever they can to get the latest, greatest, trendiest breed was incredible. And they probably don't think it through very much either. Like, how many males do you need? How many females do you need? How long do you have to keep them before you can breed them? What kind of care and cost? It's not that great money if you do it right. They're very expensive. (laughs) Yeah. And people aren't looking at it that way. They're looking at their friend who says, wait, you're breeding French bulls and chihuahuas and how much are you getting? Yeah. Now we're going to get in this game. Yeah. You got five grand a puppy and you sold 10. That's $50,000. Wow. That could put my kid through college. And then- and then you do it and you realize, oh, we needed a C-section. Oh, and most of the puppies didn't make it. And uh, now, like, it's not that easy, guys. It's really not. No, it isn't. but if you look at, remember we the last time we spoke about the Horrible 100 list? Well, there was actually a breeder from the Horrible 100 list that was performing his own C-sections on his puppies. Oh, my God. That is yeah. terrible. Well, yeah, see, it, that's something that the Veterinary Association here in Canada would crack down on. They, they, That guy would get arrested for cruelty to animals. You can't operate on an animal if you're not a veterinarian. Come on. But here's the thing. That person who did that yeah. still was in business, Ugh. did not get his license revoked. So here's the other issue. And by the way, you know, the app, Hands to Paws, is available in the U.S., Canada and the UK. Okay. So we are trying to get everyone on the planet to to do the right thing. The USDA goes and writes these reports. They're supposed to go and see these licensed breeders, but there'll be a note saying uh, breeder wouldn't let inspector on property. Violators are hardly ever fined and their license are never suspended. So if that's the case, that's terrible. There's no there's no reason not to do something wrong because there are no consequences. That just tells me they are micromanaging the good breeders. The good breeders who let them come on the property are getting their walls measured and their ventilation and their noise levels, and they're being micromanaged to the hill, and the bad breeders are being ignored completely. That's terrible. And we don't even do that in this country. In this country, we don't even do that. There's no accountability. So I'm going to go tomorrow to a local pet store and I'm going to buy four dogs, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and I'm going to go home and try to create the coolest looking breeds imaginable and sell them. That is the ultimate goal. The puggle. The puggle. The puggle. Oh, yes. Puppy mill dogs. How to get a barker that also has skin conditions. Breed a pug with a beagle. That's how you do it. But it is it is a lovely disposition dog. Okay, so we have to go to break. We're going to come back and talk about some more mistakes on Animal Party Pet Life Radio with our guest, Liz Menegon. Stay tuned. How many of you have pets? 
My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life, and that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion. Because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select Petco locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio, with our guest Liz Menegon. And we were talking about, well, I guess bad breeding, really. And you were just starting to talk about the puggle. Yes, the puggle. So, so the puggle, so, so people have to understand what's going on with the designer breeds. The designer breed, the goal is to get that puppy people love. The Pomsky is what people like. The big dog in a tiny package. Exactly. They love that look. So they're going, again, the fuzzy Frenchie, those pocket pit bulls or XL pit bulls. They're looking for that specific dog. It's like coming up with the latest, greatest style of shoes or handbag. It is a, it's a commodity. And it will go out of style. It will. It will not be the it dog for very long. And you can't you can't do that to an animal who loves you and bonds to you and wants to be with you for 15 years. You That's know, right. oh, it's out of style tomorrow. I'm getting something else. What are you thinking? Exactly. I just came back from Crufts mm-hmm. uh, last week in Birmingham in the UK, which is the largest dog show other than Westminster. And it was interesting because every person that I met with, and it was thousands of people a day, the Brits could not believe we still sold puppies in pet stores. They were shocked. Well, same here. We don't. Very, you know, we don't. There's been rules about that. There's even whole provinces where you can't crop ears or dock tails. I mean, is America that far behind? Yes. Wow. I mean, I get, I, I have a boarding kennel and I get inspected by the SPCA and they have rules and they update them and they change them and they keep them current. And, you know, it, I don't understand why that's not happening south of the border. Well, because it's Congress. Congress tells the USDA what to do. I personally feel that because of the world we live in, and it's not the 1940s, that the USDA should be removed from overseeing managing the puppy consumerism, I'll call it, not be a part of it because, again, it's not chickens, pigs, and beef. It's a separate entity. I think at the time, they didn't know what to do with it. It was selling puppies to people. It's an animal. Let's put it with animals. Let's put it with the USDA. That's my initial feeling. I think as time goes on, this needs to change, and it's only going to change at 
the level of Congress. Congress has to turn around. And here's the thing, because it's antiquated, because the USDA isn't managing what's happening, in the end, it falls on two people, actually three people. It falls on shelter, it falls on the owner, and it falls on the poor pet. It is catastrophic what is happening. And we have, if America doesn't get it together and say, wait a minute, what is happening in my state? P wait, people are breeding dogs and selling them online and shipping them on planes. I'd like to know where the Department of Consumer Protection, if I live in Connecticut and I just got a sick dog from Alabama, how do I sue them? People oh yes, and there's fraud too. I mean, oh. I've had I've had some terrible situations because every year I place one or two of my puppies in a a service kind of role, and I've had situations where I get calls from people who've spent ten grand or fifteen grand for a service dog that never arrived That's for right. their special needs child. That's you right. know, and the kid is waiting. The kid needs this dog to go to school, and it's not coming. And they spent all the money they had already, and it's just not going to get here. That dog maybe doesn't exist. It's consumer fraud. And and that's another thing with these online websites. They look legit. You know, green rolling fields kennels in the heart of Pennsylvania. That's an Amish puppy mill. So, you know, because true breeders, I did a bunch of interviews at an event called Meet the Breeds, which, again, the American Kennel Club does not like Hands to Paws because Hands to Paws is free. And the AKC charges you $249 to find you a dog. So they would not let me be a vendor at any of their events. But one of their events, I interviewed breeders and asked them, what are their thoughts on designer dogs? What are your thoughts on what's happening with puppy mills? And they said, we basically, when we sell you a puppy, we loan it to you because no matter what, we will take it back. Yes, it's in my contract. If you ever don't want this dog, bring it back to me first. That's right. Because I will have people on a list for a healthy trained dog that came from here. And even if you muss it up and it's, you know, a barking, hates the car, jumps on people dog, within two, three weeks, I'll get it back to being a polite, well-behaved citizen. And <laughs> I will find it at home because I vouch for it. And everyone knows what my dogs are like. So I'm not contributing to the population in the shelters. In fact, I take dogs from the shelters. I usually have a few here that I'm trying to place, but I see what you're saying. They're going to end up there. It's just catastrophic. And then on top of it, you know, the rescue industry in the States is, is a whole other situation. You know, there's no uniting vision. It's an incredibly contentious topic. Most of the people in the States just say adopt, don't shop which is a catch-all, solve-nothing statement. It's adopt, don't shop puppy mills, don't shop online, adopt, don't shop pet stores. You know, we can't even agree in the rescue world, really, what the vision is. And the only way to change it in America is it starts at the department, it starts with Congress and the Department of Agriculture, period. We've been, people have been writing for 30 years. People have been collecting signatures for 25 years. Lobbyists, state representatives, nothing has happened. We're going to go to break and come back and talk about what we can do and the rescue world. Stay tuned with Liz Minigan as our guest and me, Deb Wolf, on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition. 
Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello. We're back from the break and we're talking about rescuing. So the, I like the breed clubs. You go on there, you know you want a Cocker Spaniel or a Golden Retriever or an Irish Setter or whatever it is that your heart desires, and you can go on there and find people totally committed to that breed who will take what you say about your life, you know, you got little kids or you don't, or you're active, you're retired, whatever it is, and try and find you a match in the rescue world. I like that. Are you saying there's a problem with that? Not at all. Breed-specific associations, that's what was coded into the app. That's exactly where we send people. People don't realize, you know, you can get a beautiful retired show dog at five, six years old. You can get a puppy that comes from show parents, but didn't meet the breed standard. My Italian greyhound, which we've spoken about before, did not meet the breed standard. She was too small. She's the perfect house pet. Well, yeah, breed standard. See, that's another mistake people make. They think that breeders keep their best. We are looking for very specific things. So just because a puppy isn't what I want, maybe I wanted red and he's blonde. Do you care? Probably not. You know, like maybe he has to be 16 inches at the shoulder and this guy is 14. Do you care? Maybe it's more desirable for you. So it's not that we're keeping our best dogs. We're keeping specific things that we look for. But yeah. and. A good breeder retires their dogs. They don't keep breeding them until they're elderly. So they do come available at four or five years of age, trained and sweet and used to people and and used to being touched and used to other animals and so glad to have their own family, so happy to have their own everything, to not share, to just have maybe one other pet in the house. Oh, what what a joyful retirement for them. Absolutely. And and the key is, like you said, when you speak with someone, if you go to a, a dog show, whether it's the Westminster Dog Show or Crufts, these people put so much time, energy and money. You know, it is not cheap because all of these dogs get a myriad of health testing. Depending on what breed it is, some have, you know, an iron toxicity or, you know, whatever the situation is, it's a lot of money and it's a big production. They do it. It's a way of life for them. And when you have a breed that doesn't meet the breed standard or a retired show dog at seven or however old, they are the perfect house pets. And here's the thing. If something happened and it was ill, let's say it had a, I don't know cancer at two years old, you call the the breeder, they will work with you. 
They will take the dog. They will help you. Some of them even help with medical bills. They don't want an animal to go to a shelter. So there's a whole different level of responsibility with wonderful breeders who breed for the love of the animal. I understand the show world. It's it's not easy. There's a whole contentious conversation about shepherd, German shepherds in the, the lower quarters and it's inhumane. Oh, and- there's so many things. I mean, King Charles Cavalier Spaniels bred to have small skulls. So then they have all these pain and problems yep. their lifelong. But a bulldog's bred to have big heads. So now they have to C-section all the babies out and different things that makes you question what if you love your breed, why are you making it cartoonish? Why are you making it unfit for the functions of life? You know, if if it's a retriever, it should swim. If it's a dog, it should not have a, a skull size and brain size that don't work compatibly. I mean, yeah. it's very simple. If it needs it needs good hips that work well, forget about the looks. Function has to come before before looks, and and I think that's why the public has lost faith in the breeding world. It's hard to think that the breed clubs, the kennel clubs, are reputable and worth respect if they let that go on for so many years, continually giving prizes to dogs that were not even functional. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's never going to stop. I have a very good example. So my dog came from a breeder in Rhode Island. I had to drive up there, saw the parents, you know, the whole deal. And the daughter, her daughter is a vet. So it, with the price of my dog, which at that time was $1,100 for an Italian greyhound that also was spayed and microchipped when time appropriate versus a woman I met in New York City, she paid $4,000, no, $4,800 for an Italian greyhound from a now shut down pet store and it had parvo. Oh my God. That's why we don't let them have, because they mix puppies from different litters and then your chances of getting parvo are huge and it's deadly. It's brutal. So it came from a puppy mill. You could tell by looking at it. I can tell by looking at a dog if it came from a puppy mill or not, believe it or not. I knew it was from a pet store, which is from a puppy mill. The woman who breeds my dog and my mom has her half sister, she would rather cut her arm off before she would ever let a puppy end up in a pet store. And plus, the breed associations, they have their own bylaws. They all agree that they cannot give puppies away to charity events. They can't sell uh, in newspapers, and they cannot sell online. They agree to that. And if you break that, they all but crucify you. So they hold them to a very different standard. But I said to her, I would love to use your dog's picture and mine as a comparison. Here's a person who got a dog from a reputable breeder. Here's a person who went to a pet store. And honestly, I think she was embarrassed. I think it was shameful. I think she was embarrassed because people were like, well, what did you expect? You went to a pet store. That's not the answer either. Breed shaming people is not the way to go. But the story, it's the story of you went into a pet store she probably all in, I think she was up to $10,000 in debt that she will now be paying off for the next 15 years. And all of that can be avoided by getting the right breed from the right person and not, you know, parvo is something that many dogs don't survive. 
It's horrible to see it when you see a dog with it. It's explosive diarrhea and vomiting and they can't get it under control and they have to be isolated at the vet clinic and it can take weeks. It's just terrible. And if the dog, I mean, wherever that dog came from, the soil is contaminated for eight years. So every place it went, I mean, it's a breeder's nightmare, but that puppy mill is definitely contaminated. That's just terrible. I want to talk to you just a little bit about mutts because when I did pick your pup, the quiz, it was at around the time that the intelligence of dogs came out. And I was interviewing the author of that professor, Dr. Stan Corin. And I asked him about mutts. I said, you know, I, I, I love mutts personally, and I don't want to always be sending people to purebreds. If they're willing to take a mutt, there's so many more mutts in the rescue situation. You know, why not recommend mutts? And, but I don't really know how to tell them. I said to him, it seems to me that what you see is what you get. You look at a dog and if he's got web feet and he's got long floppy ears and he loves to swim and you know that he's supposed to be a golden retriever shepherd cross, you can look at him and see what you see is what you get. And he said, actually, that's pretty right. They've done a lot of testing on this genetically now that they can gene test dogs. And what you see is what you get. So if you're looking for a mostly retriever, you can find one. Flip over his paws, make sure they're webbed. Look at those ears. <laughs> if you can see the dog, the rescue dog playing and, and see how he behaves, is he hurting? Is he guarding? Is he retrieving? Like these are things that are kind of hardwired into the dog and you'll see them come out. So what you see is what you get. If you're looking for a mutt, you can use these quizzes, mine or, or this app, which is even better, Liz's new app. You can use it and say you get two dogs. Say your answer is you could have a pug or a poodle. Well, you could definitely find a mutt that's part pug, part poodle. Say it says you could have a German Shepherd or a Lab. Go out and get yourself a Lab Shepherd cross. You're, you're going to have a great dog with that. A great dog, a great beginner dog, easy to train, easy to own, low maintenance. So you don't have to go purebred. And I, I just wanted to tell people that. What do you think about that, Liz? You absolutely don't have to go purebred. I have a question. In Canada, do they have a centralized system that all the shelters, no matter what Providence or where you're from, they can post their available dogs? Is there a uh, reason? Not exactly, but the SPCA's province-wide do that. So I can go on in Vancouver, British Columbia and look at every dog in every SPCA in the province of British Columbia. And if I was looking for a specific dog, my local SPCA could reach out to the, an SPCA, say, in the next province over in Alberta and ask them to check their list. And so if I was really looking for, I don't know, a four-year-old rough collie like Lassie, if there was one in Canada in an SPCA, I could find it. So that's pretty good. Because here's my, with the app in the U.S., because we can, we, we have it, we have a resource, so we were able to code in. You have a choice. When you download the app, you click the American flag or the Union Jack or the Canadian flag. And then in the U.S., you have a choice, pure breed rescue. We do not have a choice in Canada for rescue because there was no centralized system. Uh. You're telling me maybe I can get it coded through the SPCA. I think so. Okay. The SPCA is far reaching here. It does quite a few things that you wouldn't think it would do. 
All right, perfect. See, now look, see. All the commercial kennels to make sure they comply with national regulations, all that kind of stuff. So we've got to go. Sorry, we've used up all our time today, Liz. It's been so good talking with you. And I'd love to have you back again in the future if you're willing. Absolutely. And I hope that you can do some good work when you talk to the Washington Post and USA Today and Forbes. I hope you can get the message out there that, you know, really pets are not beef cattle. And there has to be a different structure for making sure things are kind. That's right. Okay, everybody. Hands to number two. Hands to paws is the app. And I highly recommend it. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you for joining us today on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And from me and Animal Party Pet Life Radio, from me, Deb Wolf, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.